Hello, fellow dreamers and doers. It is Misty Phillip, chief dreamer and doer, host of the By His Grace podcast and founder of Spark Media. We are wrapping up season three of the By His Grace podcast. I've got two more episodes to share with you in this season before I take a sabbatical to prepare for season four of By His Grace. I cannot believe it's already been three years going into our fourth year and to prepare for the Spark Media Conference. Now, I'd love for you to join me in Nashville in March for the Spark Media Conference. You can grab your ticket for the Spark Media Conference at sparkmedia.ventures. Now, we don't like to hear the word no, and we definitely don't want to hear the word wait. And that's exactly what we're going to talk about today on the By His Grace show. What is our response when God says no or when he says wait? When God plants a dream in our heart, we want to run full speed ahead to do the thing that he has called us to do. But sometimes we experience a season of no, not yet, or not now. One of my biggest takeaways from this episode is that there is nothing that God can't do and that he takes our nothing and he multiplies it into something beautiful. Please welcome Esther Panabaker, author of No Dot Thing. Leverage your nothing by leaping into God's everything. Please welcome Esther Panabaker to the By His Grace podcast. Welcome to the By His Grace podcast, Esther. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me today. Yes. So I'm excited to talk to you. You just wrote a new book called No Thing or Nothing, and we're going to get into that in a little bit. But before we do, I just want you to share a little bit of your background that led you to your dream of writing this book. Well, you know, Misty, I uh, grew up in a, a traditional church and um, and I was taught basically as a girl that you just follow God's path and his providence for your life. Right. And so that meant every day, whatever that providence led you to do, that's what you do. Um, and so I I originally thought I wasn't a dreamer. I was a doer. Right. And and my ideas of dreaming and doing were really skewed. But I've come to find out that dreaming without doing or doing without dreaming, either way, you have to have both of those things. And so as I as I began to follow God's path in my life, um, I, I began to realize that he did have some things for me to do. And that was the next thing today, doing whatever God wants me to do next. And um So I didn't really dream of writing a book or being an author, but I did have thoughts that came to me. And so every day I'd write those thoughts down and then my friends would come to me and they would say, Hey, Esther, I'm going through this difficult period in time. I'm like, well, Hey, let me read you something from my journal. And then one day we had company sitting around the living room and my husband said, Hey, Esther, read them something from your book. And I wanted to kick him, honestly, but I couldn't (laughs) Um, because 
that was what was growing on my heart, that this was turning into um, not just a journal entry, but something that God wanted to minister to other people. And so when I read it to the girl that one day, when my husband said, read something from your book, she started crying and it, it ministered to her heart. And several months later, she emailed me and she said, Esther, I have bought tickets. We're going to She Speaks. Um, you are writing a book proposal. You are. And so I'm Googling how to write a book proposal and all the things. And God just led me one step at a time. And I found that when we follow him, he does lead us unerringly. And those desires of our heart that he plants in us become dreams. And those dreams, when we follow them, he leads us unerringly. Absolutely. And I've, I've just been walking that path. Yeah. So we have such similar paths in that, in that regard. I never dreamed of any of the things that I am doing, but out of obedience and just prayer to him saying, what is next and what do you want me to do? I realized at one point that I was the older woman and, <laughs> and the Bible <laughs> says older women are to teach younger women. And so I knew that I had a lot of wisdom and life experience to share. And so out of that um, call, in scripture, that was kind of one of the first things that led me to start doing all the things that I'm doing. So I have to know about your title of your book. It is No Dot Thing or Nothing. Let's talk about that a little bit and how that came to be and what that means to you. Well, so first of all, going back to those journal entries, I would be singing in church and there would be no thing can compare to our risen Lord. Nothing is impossible with God. I'd be reading in the scripture. I'd be teaching my kids school and, and the world was created from nothing. And then he hung the world on. So this word just kept coming to my mind and I would write and write and write. I've always written words of encouragement to my friends. And so that's where the writing kind of comes from. Um, but nothing. And I couldn't write just a book on the nothings of the Bible, right? So I had to have meaning and it's the no's and the weights. And that's what the no dot thing is for the no's and the weights while God is doing the thing in our life. And a lot of times we see nothing and we don't like the word nothing. We don't like nothing on the calendar. We don't like nothing in the mail, nothing on the resume. That word really scares us. Um, we don't like nothing when it comes to our careers. And um, so what do we do? We, we try to pile on titles, degrees. We pile on all these things, try to fill that void. When in reality, Eve was created with nothing on but God himself. And I feel like when we try to boost ourselves with all the things, we forget to leap into God's everything. And so to me, nothing is, I can do nothing on my own without God's help. And it really leverages us when we realize our state of nothing, it leverages us into God's everything. Oh, that is so, so, so beautiful. I love that. So tell me a little bit more about the wait. I know that I currently am in a season of waiting on the Lord and are there some specific experiences where you've had to wait on the Lord that helped you to write that portion of the book? Yes. Well, you know, I, I, I talk about Joseph in my very first chapter and he, he also said on nothing. He's told the, the butler and the baker when he was thrown into prison, you know, he had his dream and it went nothing how he thought it was going to go. And, um, you know, when our, when the rug is jerked out from under us, it jerks at our identity. It jerks at our security. It jerks at our maturity in Christ and our identity and calling. And Joseph had to keep coming back to that affirming of his calling in Christ and his 
the dream that God had given to him. And it didn't look like how he thought it would look. And I think sometimes when our reality goes sideways and we're taken to Egypt, you know, into a foreign country, we don't speak that language. We don't know what's going on. Just to trust God's promise that the dream is coming true, that um, he is working all things together for our good. And Joseph had to wait. He had to wait through all those experiences and all those years for his dream to come true. And I've had to wait for God's timing in my life. And I talk about that in my book um, when our daughter was pre-diagnosed with a brain tumor. And I remember the night before she went for her MRI and all her tests, praying and saying, God, you know, please help me. And I, I gave my daughter to him. I walked up that mountain as Abraham to give her away to God. And, um, and then just the waiting period, is she going to be okay? Is she not? And then trusting God's promise. I've promised you that I'm going to use this daughter. I've promised you that I'm going to take care of her. And do you trust me with my promise? And I think in those waiting periods, it's all about trust. It really is all about trust. I have a friend who's Air Force and she just graduated as chief. She rose through the ranks and she said, Esther, out of 20 years of being in the Air Force, I am now retiring. And she said, I'm wondering, what am I going to do in this season? And I feel like, Misty, you know, it's just not um, a one-time deal. We all cycle back through periods of waiting and it's initially just trusting God that he has a plan for our lives, trusting him with that plan and his purpose, and then just waiting and trusting him that he will bring it to fruition. Yes, I love, love, love that. He will bring it to fruition. And our dreams do take time to manifest. So oftentimes he does plant a, a seed of a dream in our heart. And we think like, he, when God gave me my book, I'm just going to write my book and I'm going to sell it. And it's just, all, it took me three years to even write the thing that I felt like God downloaded to me in one sitting, but it took me three years to walk that out with him. For any of you who are listening that haven't written a book, it is really when you co-labor with God, God has to pour some things into you. So that you can write them. And I know that um, even though he kind of gave everything to me in one sitting, it took me a while to walk that out. And I love that you just um, talked about the dream and and Joseph um, and Joseph went, you know, from the pit to the palace. We, we know that story well, right? But God's hand was on his life that whole time. You're right. His hand was on his life that whole time. But, you know, the part that I, I love, the, the fact that God was with Joseph, his coat was not only snatched off him once, but twice. You know, the first coat had been given to him by his father, but the second coat he had worked for, he had earned it. It represented his character. And I feel like when we have dreams and we're going through those periods, seasons of wait, seasons that look like a no, seasons that look like, you know, things are being snatched from us and we're left with nothing. Um, you know, he told the butcher and the baker, I have done nothing to deserve this when he was sitting in a prison. Um, Moses, when he was in that waiting period, he had told Pharaoh, let my people go. And then Pharaoh's like, you have too much time on your hand. Let me take away the materials to build the bricks. And so Moses goes to God and he says these words. And I feel like for us, it's important to uh, verbalize to God and not just stuff it, but he verbalizes to God. And Moses says, I have done this and you have done nothing to deliver your people. Actually, God was doing something, but it was in that period of wait 
between the time that he talked to Pharaoh and the time that God delivered the children of Israel. Moses was in that season of wait. And in my book, I like to tell the readers, you're not in a nothing position. You're in a season of wait. You're in the middle. This is not the end for you. That's right. God has so much bigger planned for you. That's our, that's absolutely right. But that waiting is hard. And, and it's so hard. That's where our faith is tested. That's mm-hmm. where, you know, will we be faithful? Will we be obedient in the wait? Will we wait on God? You know, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. That's my life verse. And I think I love it because I trust God so much. But at the same time, I know that my own understanding can trip me up every time. It does. And, you know, I love the scripture. Nothing is impossible with God, which really means he's incapable of doing nothing. And so when I see nothing, I can trust in his promises and leverage my nothing by leaping into his everything and know that he is doing some. I may not see it, but he is doing a lot of things just like Joseph. Um, God was working in his life and this dream was much bigger than Joseph ever could imagine. Yeah. And and that is is hard for us. I know for me in my life, when God called me to write and to speak, I had no idea how big the dream would be because I wasn't dreaming like, I want to be all these things. But God has expanded my borders and my territory and my vision for what he wants me to do as I very boldly yet scared oftentimes yeah. step out. And and there's, there's a balance because we can, we can have that, that healthy fear, but also a reverence for God. And, and, and it's a, it's a balance. Do you find that in your, in your own walk? I do, you know, it's a balance, but, um, Joseph's brothers, you know, they knew about the dream and Joseph's dad knew about the dream. And I tell people when I go to speak that you can either live the dream that God gave you, or you will always live in the shadow of someone else's dream. And Misty, I don't want to live in the shadow of someone else's dream. I want to live the dream that God has given to me. And while there are struggles, while there are battles, I want to do what God has placed in my pathway to do. So writing a book was the first thing. And now people are wanting me to come speak. So I'm walking through those doors wherever God opens the door. And thank you for opening this door for me today. Whatever door God opens for me, I want to be faithful to walk through those doors and be obedient to him um, because our security isn't tied in, in our identity as who we are, but whose we are in Christ. And whoever God's growing us to be. And I want to be faithful to walk through those doors and walk in the dream that he's given to me. Yeah, me too, sister. Well, I got a question that is, I'm going to change the subject, but you have a picture of a red cup on your book that is being poured out. Now, is there a significance to that? You know what? So I'm just going to be totally upfront and honest with you. And if you have people that are writing books, covers mean a lot. And um, I ended up crying one day over this cover. We had so many different cover looks and I'm like a little empty nest and with little leaves. And um, because there's seasons, like I said, of empty, nothing on the finger, nothing in the womb, nothing in the nest. We, we cycle through seasons of nothing. And the cup was just a cheerful um, 
representation of when your cup is knocked over and when life knocks your cup over, how you can turn things right side up and leverage God's everything in your life. And so the red cup was actually something that on an Amazon thumbprint would be bright and cheerful. (laughs) (laughs) And I found my first, uh, my first editor with Highbridge Publishers um, was a guy Holland Webb, and he's in his 30s. And he said, I really like this book. I didn't think I would like this book. And the first person to actually buy my book was a CPA. So I'm finding that guys as well as women have have been attracted to this book just for the book cover alone, and then into the message of the book, had it has looked like, you know, some kind of feminine book, it wouldn't have drawn the attention. So um, yeah, we've all had those experiences where we've either knocked a cup over and it's made a big old mess or had spills in life that we think, okay, God, how is this going to work out? And so that's kind of the red cup. I love that. I'm so glad that I asked you about that because it's, it's not an accident. You know, God is using every little thing in, in along in your journey. So if you were to be able to sit down and share a cup of coffee with your red cup with a friend who is, you mentioned several things like a young lady who, who wants to be married, who God hasn't brought her husband or um, a young woman who is married and is longing for that baby that's not coming. There's lots of different seasons of that we are in a weight where it feels like there is nothing. What would you want to speak to her heart today? You know, I would speak to her and tell her that the enemy will try to put labels on us. He will try to put labels in our minds of stuck stagnant, um, that we're stifled, that we're smothered. He'll try to put all these words and labels on us when really we can look at it and say, God, I'm grateful. I am blessed season that you've given to me. How can I utilize it? How has it made space for grace in my life? And where are you pointing me to? And what direction are you pointing me? Because I feel like when we have all the things, you know, we accumulate all these things and all the busyness, it doesn't leave us a a lot of space to make decisions or shift in a direction that we might need to shift in. One of the mothers that they they tried for seven, 10 years to have a child and God ended up leaving, leading them and shifting them into adopting children that actually needed them more than their hearts needed to birth a child. And had they have not had that space for grace, they wouldn't have shifted in a direction that God was leading them. And I think a lot of times we're afraid of those nothing or those seasons where we We feel like we need to fill it with something and God's asking us, will you let me fill it with what I have for you? It's much bigger than you had ever imagined. Yeah, that's so beautiful. So beautiful. So I would love for you to leave us with just a couple of practical to do's. How do you, how do you find that you're able to assume this posture of waiting? What are some of the things that you do to spur your faith on? You know, I, I've asked these questions like what thing is holding me back, right? So some people would say this is holding me back or finances is holding me back or, you know, we have all the things that are quote, holding us back. But I would choose to ask myself, what thing am I holding back? And the three questions that I ask are what is in my hand? What is in my heart? And what is in my house? And that could be your wheelhouse, 
You know, what, what are you capable of doing? Or it could be what is in your house. Literally. I know for years I prayed for my neighbor that lived a, a really alternate lifestyle. And I'm like, I have nothing in common with her, but she needs Jesus. I'll just pray for her. And God spoke to me one day as I was praying and looking out the window, she was coming home from work. And he said, make her a chocolate pie. That was what was in my house. That was what was in my hand, literally, that I could take to her. And I think sometimes we overlook the small things, the things that are in our house, the things that are in our heart, the things that are in our hand. We overlook those things and God wants to use them. You know, there's a woman in the Bible and I talk about her in my book. Um, She said, I have nothing but this pot of oil. And the prophet said, go out and collect all the jars and keep pouring and pouring. And I feel like, Misty, when we pour the little bit of oil that we have in our hand and in our house at the moment, God will multiply it and bless it. And we will be able to provide our community with the oil that they need, the oil of gladness that God has for their lives. And so that's what I ask people. What is in your house? What is in your heart? And what is in your hand? It may look like nothing, but when you leverage it, God will bless it with his blessings. Oh my gosh, Esther, I absolutely love that. And I think that is a great place to end this interview. So thank you so much for sharing your heart behind the book. And just, I can tell that you love the word and you are just, the word is in you because it does not come out of you like it is without it being in you. And so thank you for your faithfulness to study God's word and then to use it to encourage others. So I will put links to find you and your book in the show notes. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining me today on By His Grace. I hope you've enjoyed listening and are encouraged by our guest today. I would love for you to visit my blog, mistyphilip.com, for more encouragement. You can find me on social media as Misty Phillip, and I would love to connect with you there. 